The Edge of the World Art Studio is proud to present Helen of the Iron Horse, written by Paris Danielle Lee. Artwork by Helen Rachel Lee. Music by Fish Zombie the Onions. And special thanks to Spooky the Cat for her contributions, fuzzy as they might be. Chapter 102 Broken 1883, April 7th, Denver, Colorado Paris sat on the ground in her room, with her back to the bed where Thalia lay wrapped in the blankets they had shared. She took each of her guns and set them out in front of her. One by one, she unloaded them, cleaned them, oiled them, and reloaded them with fresh ammunition. She placed them all back into their holsters. She stood and went to the wardrobe, mostly full of Thalia's clothes. She took a fresh shirt and a fresh pair of pants. Thalia had them laundered. She began to dress herself. When she was done, she sat down at the vanity that had been Thalia's. She looked at her hair, combed it with Thalia's brush, and allowed the bangs that Thalia had cut to fall across her eyes, just like Luke's. She took her gun belts and carefully placed each of them around her, buckling them, securing them, and when she was done, she took her saddlebags from the chair that held Thalia's stuffed bear, elephant, and doll. She took the bear from the chair and set it in Thalia's arms. Kissing her one last time, she whispered, I'll see you soon, my love. Paris turned and walked out of the room. Penthesilia, Naomi, Mary, and Alone sat at the kitchen table drinking coffee. As Paris entered, they stood looking hopeful. Paris stopped to look at them. She tried to answer the question they were not asking, but she found she had no voice for it. She just shook her head no. Naomi walked around the table to stand in front of Paris. Paris saw her fist tense at her side. She saw her weight shift back, and she knew that under her dress, her foot had taken a step. Her arm drew back, and she knew Naomi was going to hit her. She saw in her mind the path her fist would take through the air, across in an arc. If Paris did nothing, it would strike her on her cheek or her jaw. She knew all she had to do was step back a little. So many ways to dodge, to block, to counter. Such a simple punch. She did none of them, and Naomi struck her. This is your fault, Naomi said, as she brought her knee up to Paris's stomach. Again, she let her. You were supposed to protect her. You were supposed to be there to be sure she was safe. Where the fuck were you? Off getting drunk, whiskey girl? You're supposed to protect her. Naomi once again punched Paris and then shoved her against the wall. Paris let it happen, not raising a hand to defend herself. Naomi, stop, ordered Penthesilia. God damn it, Celia, no! This is her fault, all of it! The minister was right about her. She's fucking poison. And now everyone can see. Naomi screamed and turned back to Paris to kick her. Paris finally buckled and slid down the wall to sit into a ball. You goddamn thief. You steal your brother's girl. You steal my girl. Next time you want a girl to fuck over and get killed, you go find one of your own. Stop taking them from other people. She wasn't yours. She was mine. But you took her from me, and then you don't even have the decency to protect her. Naomi, this isn't her fault, 
She wasn't even here, Penthesilia insisted. That's just it. Don't you see it? It's all her fault. She destroys everything. Haven't you noticed? Haven't you been paying attention? You lost the bar. We lost the brothel. Hell, if it weren't for Florence, we would have lost this farm. She's a child playing gunslinger, and we've all paid the price for her mistakes. What's next? Mary's ranch? The mayor's mansion? Who has to die next before we see that the only thing the whiskey girl brings us is death and destruction? Who's going to die next? You, Celia? Cassandra? Where's Alice anyways? Everything she touches burns! Naomi stood over Paris. Get out! Leave here before you get someone else killed, you fucking bitch! It should have been you! It's you who should die! Paris pulled the single-action army pistol from her holster. She held it by its barrel, handing it to Naomi. Go ahead. She pleaded for Naomi to take the gun, but Naomi didn't move. Here, I'll make it easy for you. Paris took the gun back, cocked the hammer, and then once again held it by its barrel, handing it to Naomi. Just pull the trigger. Send me to her before I break all the promises I've made. Paris held out the gun. Naomi took a step back, not touching it. It's okay, Naomi. I couldn't do it either. She picked herself up off the floor. You're right. You're right about everything. It should have been me. This is all my fault. Goodbye, Naomi. And I'm sorry. Paris opened the back door to the kitchen and walked out of the farmhouse. Naomi stared at the door. Penthesilia pushed past her to follow Paris. Naomi sat back down and began to cry. Penthesilia caught up with Paris in the barn. She was in Pony's stall, preparing the horse to ride. Penthesilia watched Paris put the blankets on her horse, and then bring her saddle over. She didn't know what to say. Naomi didn't mean it. She's just upset. I think we all are. Penthesilia tried to explain. No. She meant it. And she was right. Paris kept working. Come back inside. You can stay with me tonight. You shouldn't be alone. I'm always alone. I think it's how I'm supposed to be. I should never have drug everyone else into my problems. Celia, thank you for trying to save me. You're always fighting for a lost cause. I love that about you. But I don't think there was ever any way to save me. This was always going to be my fate. You should have left me for the sheriff the day we met. Don't say that. Naomi only sees the bad. She only sees the things we've lost. But I see the good. We've gained so much. We have each other. And that's more valuable than that bar was. That's more valuable than the brothel. We're so close to succeeding and being able to live the lives we truly want. She's dead because I had to be who I wanted to be. I had to stand up against those who told me to be something else. I had to fight Thomas. I had to fight the sheriff. I had to push people into my world thinking they'd never push back. I thought they wouldn't dare. This is my fault. This really is my fault. Oh, no, no, it's not. 
You're not the criminal here. Just because you tried to defend what was yours? The man who locks his home is not at fault when a thief breaks that lock and steals from him. He's, he's not at fault for the theft simply because he had things to steal. This isn't your fault. That's where you're wrong. It is my fault. Why? Because I robbed the bank. You what? Paris stopped and sat down on a hay bale. She hung her head and took a deep breath. She let it out slowly before she spoke. <sighs> Alice killed Nicholas Castle. I helped her find a place to hide. Eleanor Castle went with her, but before we left town, it seemed pointless for them to run penniless. So we stopped at the bank that night. I guess, technically, we didn't rob it. Eleanor, with Nicholas dead, now owns the bank. She was its true manager anyways. She opened the bank with the keys. She opened the vault with the combination. There was no need to break in. She took the money that was hers and only hers. She even filled out the paperwork, withdrawing it from the bank. The sheriff knows this. He would have found the paperwork, but before we left, she put this together for me. For you. I don't know if it's stealing. It's her bank. It's her property. It's hers to give. I don't know, but she wanted you to have this. Hidden behind the hay bale, Paris reached for a legal brief. It was stuffed with papers. She picked it up and handed it over to Penthesilia. What's this? she asked. That, on paper, is William's fortune. It's every document, withdrawal, deposit, and deed. It's the bank's record on the money and property and other assets William has in trust with the bank. Without that file, there's no way to prove what's in his account, or what isn't. And with Nicholas dead and Ellie gone, whoever takes over the bank from here will have no record that William ever put a dime into that bank. Holy shit! What am I supposed to do with this? I don't know. End it. Burn it. Whatever you think is best. This gives you the leverage, the power. I don't know how to use it, but I felt it was better to take it than leave it. I may have been wrong, because God knows. I would rather have her than... Paris couldn't go on. She just began to cry. Wiping the tears from her eyes, she continued to saddle Pony. Penthesilia stepped into the horse's stall and pulled Paris into a hug, holding her. It's going to be okay, Whiskey Girl. No, it's not. <laughs> I think it's going to be okay. Come on, come back inside. No, Celia. Thank you for everything. Thank you for being my friend. But I have to go. I have to. What are you doing? Where are you going? I'm going to go kill the sheriff. No, you can't. <laughs> no, I can. And I will. I should have killed him in the ring. Is he the one who hurt Thalia? I don't know. She wouldn't say. She made me promise not to take revenge for her. But I can't live in a world where he's alive and she's dead. He had to have done this. Whether he did it himself or not, this is his fault. This is my fault 
for not killing him before. There is no justice in this world, and nothing is fair when we live and she doesn't. He'll be waiting for you. If he did this, then that's the point. He's trying to draw you out. He'll have every deputy armed and ready. He's going to be there to ambush you. It'll be like nine or ten of them against you. <laughs> it's okay. He will die. If they kill me afterwards, then maybe I will find peace. Maybe I will be able to find Thalia. And wherever we go from here, we can go together. Or they will capture me and hang me. And that's the same. But the sheriff will die. There is nothing that can save him. No, I can't let you do this. I can't let you throw your life away. You can't stop me. Celia, I love you. You're my friend and my sister. But this is it. This is where my path ends. You have to let me go. <sighs> okay. Only if you promise me you'll come back. This is your home. It won't be the same without you. You have to promise me you'll come back. I don't know if I'm coming back. Promise me anyway. <sighs> Say the word so I know you'll at least try. Say them, or I'll tie you to a chair. <laughs> okay. Okay, Celia. I promise I will come home. All right. Then go. Richard is all yours. I'll take care of William. I love you, Anna. Penthesilia held her again, squeezing her probably tighter than she should. Then she let her go, turned from the stall, and walked out of the barn before Paris could see her cry. The sheriff sat in his office. He had his gun in his hand resting on top of the desk. There were four deputies outside with rifles, and four of them in here with him, their guns drawn, waiting. She was coming. He knew she was. It was only a matter of time now, and his fingers drummed nervously on the desk around his gun. She'd have to come through eight of his men to get to him, but she'd come. She would try. He checked his ammunition the day before. The guns were all loaded and working. This would not be like before. No ridiculous boxing match, no rigged shootout. His men were instructed to kill her on sight. Then they would claim she tried to draw on them, whether she did or not. Maybe she would attack them. Four against one? If she survived that, she would have to get through five of them in here and they'd hear her coming. No, he was safe. He had rigged the game. This time he would not lose. But when the door to the sheriff's office finally opened, there had been no gunfire outside, and no word from his deputies awaiting for Paris. The door simply opened for Aphrodite. Richard, you little worm. Aphrodite began as she walked slowly towards him the four deputies from outside following her in, and every time she passed one of the deputies, she would brush them gently with her fingers on their cheek, as if inspecting them. I warned you. But you wouldn't listen, you sniveling, cowardly, pathetic child. I told you not to use love as a weapon, and yet you set a trap for my champion by killing my Thalia. I raised that girl after her parents abandoned her. I trained her myself, and I loved her. 
Lady Venus, I haven't killed anybody. Don't lie to me. Aphrodite's voice struck the sheriff in the chest like a hammer, and he backed up a bit, standing from his chair. Who do you think you're dealing with, child? I know what you've done, and I know why. You have killed my daughter, a child of love and kindness, a girl that did her best to bring peace and comfort to everyone she ever met. You are a hateful, sad, disgusting creature who only brought pain and misery to everyone he has known, and you think you deserve to live, and she deserves to die? The sheriff couldn't speak. He tried to deny it. He tried to tell Aphrodite he had nothing to do with Thalia's death. But she had commanded him not to lie to her, and now suddenly he found he could not. Stunned, he walked backwards until he stood against the back wall. Gentlemen, Aphrodite said as she turned to address the deputies in her room. All eight of them now stood before her. This man has broken my heart. I require him to repay that debt. Bring me his heart in return, Aphrodite demanded. The deputies looked at the sheriff and began to move towards him. What are you doing? He asked them as they surrounded him. Run, Richard, because if they catch you, you will die, Aphrodite instructed. The sheriff pulled his arm free from one of his deputies as he tried to grab him. He ran, jumping over his own desk and heading for the door. The deputies ran after him. The sheriff stumbled into the street. He turned to watch the deputies following him. He reached for his gun, but he found an empty holster. He'd left it on his desk. Running, once again, he didn't make it far when he felt one of the deputies tackle him from behind. They both fell to the ground. The man held his feet together as the sheriff struggled to get up. The other deputies surrounded him. They grabbed his arms and pulled at his clothes. The street was full of people, and they all stopped to watch. He kicked, trying to get free, but they held him, and they began to pull. He looked out at the people surrounding them, trying to find someone who could help him. His eyes met Paris's. She sat atop Pony, watching. She had come. She had finally come. He lost sight of her as his men drug him down and stepped on his chest each of them pulling from different directions. He screamed as his right arm was pulled from its socket. The man ripped it from him, throwing it aside. Each of them began to tear at him, pulling him apart, throwing pieces of him in the street as he died. One of the deputies finally raised his heart into the air in triumph. Then suddenly he looked at it, and down at the ground, at the torn and mangled body of the sheriff. Each of them stared at their hands full of blood, and then at each other, one of them ran. Another drew his gun, pointing it as he backed up. The man across from him pulled his gun, and they fired at each other. A third just sat on the ground in disbelief. None of them could understand what happened. The rest of the deputies gathered their horses and left town. The people in the street who had seen it happen had no idea what to do. How could they report this to the sheriff? He was the sheriff. Who was responsible for him? Eventually they left, their stomachs uneasy at what they had seen. Paris sat atop Pony, stunned, the body of the sheriff in pieces in the street in front of her. He was dead, but she hadn't killed him. Paris was the only person to see Aphrodite 
step out of the sheriff's office. She walked up to Pony and petted the horse on the nose. Lady Venus, did you do this? asked Paris. No one hurts my girls. And you are not the only one who loved her. He was mine. Mine to kill. Mine to take revenge on. You stole that from me. I saved your soul, champion. You should thank me. This isn't fair. What am I to do now? How am I to go on? Go home, champion. Your mother is waiting for you. I can't live without her. Life is a bitch. It sticks with you when you don't want it, and it ends just as it's getting good. Go home. You're missed. Paris turned Pony around, whipping her reins and guiding her out of town. Aphrodite waited, standing in the street, watching an undertaker collect the pieces of the sheriff, as Hades collected his soul. She felt a presence next to her. And here's the bitch now. I knew you'd be tagging along behind his dark shadow, she said. Well met, honored goddess, answered Persephone, as she bowed to Aphrodite. Have you come to give her back to me? Thalia? She was so beautiful. I want her back. This was her fate. I cannot change it. Can't you? Can't you cheat when it serves your purpose? Cheat? Me? Why is Eurysides still alive? The man who's fated to die on his wedding day? And yet, not only has he been married for the last seventeen years, he has children and a family. And how is it that my champion was born to him? <laughs> Would you honestly rather they were born to Hecuba, the woman who keeps trying to kill them? You made them into something they're not supposed to be. They're not supposed to be a fighter or a warrior. You twisted things to turn them into a gunslinger. They were a general when they were Mark Anthony. They were a knight when they were Tristan. They will always be what they need to be so that they may be with Helen one more time. That is a gift you gave them, not me. You are directly interfering with the game, and you know that direct interference is forbidden. How so? By keeping Eurysthe alive. Eurysthe is not part of it. Changing his path will not directly affect the game. It only gives your champion a better chance of making it through alive. I thought you'd be happy. You changed fate. Change it for me. Give me back Thalia. I cannot give her back to you as she is. It's her fate to prepare Paris to meet Helen, and then she dies for them. In this life, she wanted something more. She wanted time to be with Paris. She wanted to know if she could mean something to them. Something more than just a friend. It was a gift I gave her. But she knew it couldn't last. This was her choice. I will not change it. But if you want her back, you know what you must do. And then you will have to wait nine months. I am not ready for another child. You took Penthesilia. Why? It was unfair that she would live her lives being used by every man she knew. I wanted to teach her to use them back. I'm proud of her. She will not be a victim again. And I think it's unfair that Helen must die in every life, young, alone, and bearing the guilt of those who fell in a war that was not her fault. 
I wanted to give her a chance. Their success is not guaranteed. Every blessing I can give them, every turn of fate I can steer towards them, may still all be for nothing. But I had to do what I could. After all, she is my sister. I'm not ready for another child. Well then, when you are, you know where to find me. Blessed be, young goddess, Aphrodite said. Blessed be, beloved aunt. This has been Helen of the Iron Horse, written by Paris Lee. Artwork by Helen Lee. Performed by Helen and Paris. All characters within are fictional and bear no intentional resemblance to anyone living or dead. Except, I guess, for Helen and Paris. See more of our work at edgeoftheworldart.com. If you would like to comment on the show or ask any question, please email us at helenoftheironhorse at gmail.com. The proceeding was made with the love and encouragement of all of our friends at the LA LGBT Center's Trans Lounge. Thank you.